You're listening to The Sport Market, the stock market of sport. Here's your host, Tom Mayonect. Coming to you, coming out of the Rogers NHL All-Star Weekend, Team Matthews defeating Team McDavid in the All-Star Game Final 7-4. to A record six Vancouver Canucks, even without Elias Lindholm, acquired from the Calgary Flames midweek. The Vancouver Canucks already had set a franchise record with five, count them, five Vancouver Canucks. Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko, and then the newest Canuck, Elias Lindholm. That doesn't include Rick Tockett, Canucks head coach, who was one of the coaches at the All-Star Weekend. Doesn't include Al Murdoch, the dulcet tones of Al Murdoch, who is the Canucks PA announcer, and is also the NHL's number one PA announcer. He's brought in for all of the special events, including the outdoor games and, in this case, of course, Rogers NHL All-Star Weekend. We've got a lot of ground to cover this hour on the sport market. We're going to check out the headlines in this in today's edition of the Vancouver Sun and uh, online at VancouverSun.com. We're going to be joined in about 15 minutes' time by Samantha Chang of Denton's and host of the broadcast. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to go around the horn with Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com, and then we'll close things out with our closing bell commentary. First, though, we're going to check out the headlines in Sun Sports. Extra, extra. Welcome to Weekend Extra with Sun Sports, presented by the Vancouver Sun. Seriously, West Coast. NHL All-Star Weekend and the Canucks participation in it very much in the headlines of Sun Sports and online at VancouverSun.com. Uh, Aziz Rajwani, the UBC Sada School of Business, Langara College School of Management, and uh, uh, John Festinger of the UBC Law School and Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops, BC. Uh, great to walk through the headlines with you guys. John, of course, also from Chandler Fogden and Lyman. The big headline is All-Star Weekend, the Canucks participation in it. Aziz, what do you think that says about where the Canucks are at in terms of league-wide recognition for the players they have and the strength of the fan base here to vote that many additional All-Stars to the final roster? Well, I think it says a lot about the about the fan base. It says a lot about the team and the success that they've had and that success the simple fact that they've been so successful is directly related to the fact that Rick Tockett is there as a coach. You know, Vancouver had to be one of the top two teams in the Western Conference, and they were, and that's the reason why Rick Tockett was there. So to me, that's like de facto, you know, proof that, that the Vancouver Canucks, uh, not only forget about the fan base, but the Vancouver Canucks themselves have done really well, and they've played as a team. And in, in fact, hopefully, you know, the, the fan base in the rest of the country and the rest of North America, in fact, hopefully realizes, you know, how good the Canucks are. And not only that, the fact that they undertook the first significant trade, uh, you know, of all the NHL teams, and it just shows that they're all in on this. And I think it's great. 
this trade and uh, and the fact that they displayed themselves really well at the All-Star Game as well. John, uh, you spent a decade helping to build the brand of the Canucks and Canucks Sports and Entertainment. Uh, this is a gift from Santa Claus for the marketers of the franchise because it's all about storytelling. Just even being able to say you had five, now six uh, 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 players as NHL All-Stars, that says something about the product and the reputation of the product. So you said it. It's all about storytelling. And storytelling is what creates fans and what creates that deeper feeling. Two important stories that we're not talking about because we're totally overwhelmed by it, by the, by the numbers. JT Miller at, a, at an all-star game after, you know, he's had a rough ride. He's played great here, but there are a lot of doubters. Do you remember Brock Besser's first all-star game. Yeah. He set the world on fire. Yeah. And can you imagine how great... He was all-star game MVP that year. Yes, yeah. he was. And, and you know, the redemption in coming back after years away from the all-star game, that's how... That kind of storytelling, those redemption stories, mean so much to the fan base and mean so much to the logo on the front of the jersey. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and to the team culture. Um, so I think there's a lot here, uh, and I haven't even started on the front office and Emily Castonguay and the fact that the top team in the NHL has a number of women assistant general managers. There's a lot of great stories, uh, and, and if the Canucks know, uh, and, and, and I believe Canucks management know how to make the most of them, um, they could go on another five-year sellout streak done properly. We're talking about how the NHL, in my view, did a better-than-usual job. Gary Bettman did a better-than-usual job in terms of his own storytelling, uh, the different news that was put out there in terms of uh, going to the Olympics and being committed to go for the next two consecutive Olympic Games, uh, the branding of the Four Nations face-off, a Four Nations Cup kind of thing, committed to 2025 and 2028. And of course, they're purposely going to 2028 to get on to the even-numbered even years. And then I suggest that they'll have their NHL All-Star Game in odd-numbered uh, years every uh, two years. So the NHL did a good job with their storytelling. But the Vancouver Canucks did a great job this week as well. Uh, to have the Patrick Alvine extension confirmed the morning of the night in which you pressed the button on the guy that, from all reports, was number one at your hit list, that's pretty good stuff from a fan engagement point of view. Harder for the NHL, for hockey stakeholders, will be containment and discussion around the IIHF World Junior Hockey Team of 2018, which is uh, uh, five players have been implicated. Uh, there'll be a media conference on Monday. John, what should we look for in terms of not only Hockey Canada response, but anyone who plays a leadership role in hockey? Uh, you know, given the fact that this is a big story going into this weekend, it's a big story online at VancouverSun.com, and it'll continue to be in advance of Monday's media conference. Uh, what what should we be looking for? What do we expect out of the the leaders in the hockey segment? Well, two different questions. 
what should we be looking for and what should we expect? What we should be looking for is leadership. What is leadership in this kind of circumstance? It is transparency and it is action. And action means banning players, possibly for life, uh, and creating an example, uh, a, a true teachable moment for all the players in the NHL and perhaps all the athletes in sport. So that's, that's what we should be looking for. That's what we should be demanding. What should we expect out of the NHL? I'm not sure very much. Go go ahead, Aziz. Tom, you know, at this level, where where the players are this young, right, what they really need is good coaching, and that's where the change needs to start. That coaching isn't just about the X's and O's of hockey, and Nick Saban will tell you that. If you were to do an interview with Nick Saban, the greatest of all time college coach, many would, some may argue otherwise, he will tell you that it's about teaching kids. It's about teaching them humility, teaching them to be competitive, but to be respectful, being timeful, come to show up on practice on time, always try to do your best, ask when you need help, help others, all those kinds of things. They need to be ingrained in these young people at a start through the earliest coaches. And the best players remember their coaches very well, just as we, as adults, we're not, I'm not an athlete, but I remember my teachers and I remember how good they were, especially at a young age. And that's what they need. And secondly, I understand we will sit here and we will blame them and they need to be blamed. Some of these adults and everyone makes a mistake. But what I'm also going to think about is part of the fault lie with us, the fan base. Do we honor, not honor them? Do we quote unquote worship them so much? Ten agents are going after them and they'll everything get looked after. Do they feel a sense of entitlement because of the way that we, the fan base, and we as agents treat them, and is that part of the reason we need to change our attitudes and how we deal with them, not just as we need to deal with them as human beings, not put them up on a pedestal and worship them. And that change also needs to come from us, not from them. Uh, just very, very quickly on that. First of all, hockey doesn't have an exclusive monopoly on entitlement. Entitlement happens in in all high-profile sports, uh, and and I do think that I agree with what you're saying about coaching, but I'm thinking small C coaching. I'm saying coaches in all different roles. It's not just the head coach or the assistant coach uh, of, of a team. It's the way the uh, management of the team uh, conducts itself. It's, it's the way anybody associated with the team conducts itself. It's about education. That's where a lot of work will need to be done in the years to come is education because this is a cultural thing. That's an oversimplification, but it's a cultural thing and a societal thing. It's not just a hockey thing. Having said that, hockey needs to pull out all the stops in terms of creating a more respectful work environment. I think it's, it's getting better, but we're talking about an incident that is just basically five years ago. Yeah, look, I, I think we have we have to be real here. This is not young men who made a mistake. This is enculturated misogyny. This has happened time and time and time and time again. And it is it is beyond time for the powers that have enabled this kind of misogyny and these kinds of assaults to take responsibility for them 
and do everything they can to change the culture. And yes, unfortunately, some young men are absolutely going to have their careers ended and deserve to be. But that is to prevent future players from suffering the same fate. This this train has got to stop. Uh, And there's so much work still to be done in terms of safe sport. We're literally, uh, we have to find a way to do safe sport without tarring everybody with the same brush. That's easier said than done. Guys, uh, we're up against the clock. I did want to just give a couple of minutes. We talked about it on our podium, funded by Alpine Credits, our gold medal story this week, the NFL's terrific conference championship TV ratings, averaging 56 million averages after uh, uh, four divisional games, averaged 40 million, and after six wildcard games, averaged 30 million. These are unprecedented, and the strong start is setting the stage for the most watched Super Bowl of all time. And when Taylor Swift brings her almost half billion social media followers to the table, that will have a very interesting impact, not only on the numbers, but on the age of the audience, the demographics that are covered. Uh, The Wayne Gretzky search, uh, the OPG 1979-80 set of cases that had 16 boxes found in a Regina basement. That's our bronze medal story. And our silver medal story, Lewis Hamilton going from Mercedes to Ferrari. John, just 30 seconds on why that's such a massive story globally. Um, Because the, the greatest Formula One driver of all time, arguably going to the number one Formula One team of all time. I've been a Hamilton fan forever, not a big Ferrari fan. Guess what? 2025, I'm a Hamilton Ferrari fan. Uh, You know, and I'm just going to quickly say this. Uh, To me, Mercedes really seems to have misread the room and, and blown this. And I give Ferrari full credit for saying, yes, we'd want you to be ambassador. The $100 million a year salary, that's going to be part of it, but we're going to help you with your charities, and you can be a Ferrari ambassador. Mercedes board of directors refused to go down that path. And, and I think Ferrari made it all back in one day on their share price. Yeah, $7 billion spike that day, um, uh, 240,000 social media posts. In one day. Normally, they do that in a month. It takes a month for them to get that. I mean, unbelievable story. Guys, sorry, we're over time, but I want to thank you again, not just for today and the split shift, but for everything you guys do for the sport market. Uh, uh, John Festinger and Aziz Rajwani. Uh, Guys, have a terrific rest of the weekend. You too. Thank you. It's Aziz and John. Next up, though, we get the broadcast perspective from Samantha Chang of Denton's. She joins us at the bottom of the hour. It will be Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manect. And, you know, it was, it was a challenge. Like last week, they, they were called to the carpet. You know, but I wanted to be clear. I was, I was, there was no finger pointing on my guys. The, the finger was pointed at me. I'm the one running the ship. And so it, it, where we are in the record in the standings, that's mine. I own that. But I just wanted to make sure that my guys understood that there's accountability and there's a certain way we need to play. And you know what? Instead of pouting and saying, well, I didn't like what Coach said, they owned it. And they stepped up and they played did exactly what I expected them to do. And sometimes sports is cruel. And we had the wrong side of the scoreboard, but we were on the wrong side of the effort.
the Georgia franchise in the National Lacrosse League. But at least it looks like a step in the right direction in terms of the kind of effort that Kurt Malofsky, head coach and GM of the Vancouver Warriors, is looking for from his charges. And you sometimes have to learn the pain of losing before you appreciate the ecstasy of winning. And it seems that effort, that part has been handled, which takes them one step closer, but obviously still a lot of work to be done for this team to gel. Yeah, certainly, like you said, it was a better effort. I think they were on uh, the wrong side of a pretty tough call, uh, tough review there in overtime. But um, after the the performance from a, a week prior, you were expecting a response from the Warriors, and, and they got it. It was just like like Malowski said, it's just sports can be cruel sometimes. Talking about response from the lawyers, we have Samantha Chang of Denton's. Also host of the broadcast, she's also on the selection committee of the BC Sports Hall of Fame and co-chair of the BC Sports Hall Banquet of Champions slated for May 16th at the uh, Fairmont Hotel, Vancouver. Samantha, no busy weekend for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got uh, a short five-minute visit with you today, but we want to make the most of it. First of all, did you have a chance to catch any of the Rogers NHL All-Star Weekend? Yeah, I saw bits and pieces here and there. I didn't watch the whole weekend, um, but it, it looked, I've heard nothing but great things from everyone who's there. Now, as a sort of millennial commentator, uh, what do you like about the NHL All-Star Game? What do you think should go the way of the Dodo uh, Dodo Bird, uh, if anything? Um, I thought they did a good job this year. I thought the format of the competition was good. I like that they brought back the... uh, I like that they brought back the... players selecting their teams that was always one of my favorite things they had done in the past um and you know i thought the celebrity captains worked out really well this year i mean between the sound bites from from michael buble uh the justin bieber fashion statement and kind of universal praise for tate mccurry's performance today i thought that was maybe one of the better done all-star games yeah and will and ed as well i mean the nhl reflected well uh, and i do think that as far as all-star games go this was a, a definite upgrade. I also like from a communications point of view, from a fan engagement point of view, that they shared as much news as they did. Gary Bettman can be the most coy commissioner at times. I felt he was more relaxed than usual. And the fact that they're talking global hockey with the Olympics and the Four Nations face-off, I think a real good step in the first in the right direction. He even entertained questions on the Arizona Coyotes, which must drive him crazy. What do you think this means for the Vancouver Canucks as a franchise, as a brand, having five players plus Elias Lindholm uh, in uniform at the All-Star game. Obviously, there's direct marketing and storytelling, but what do you think it means for the franchise to have the six Canucks players and Rick Tockett and Al Murdoch uh, doing PA in Toronto? Yeah, it was a great showing for for the Canucks. Um, I think, obviously, getting exposure for those players is always great. I know we complain a lot that uh, I think, you know, Quinn Hughes is a great example of getting underrated uh, in across the league. Um, I think we all saw his rankings at the start of the year in the player rankings. But I think having those players there and having other people see them play is, is always a good thing and hopefully uh, kind of gives them a fairer evaluation going forward. 
Now, from a from a hockey business point of view, what do you expect we're going to see now in February and March now that we're post-NHL All-Star break? Are you continuing to see more and more people coming on the uh, so-called Canucks bandwagon in your circles? Yeah, I mean, I think this time last year it was near impossible to give away your tickets, and now it's nearly impossible to get them. So I think it's been pretty much a 180. There's nothing that winning won't cure um, and I expect to see more of the same in, in the coming months, um, especially with, with the lead-up to playoffs. Jim Rutherford uh, renewed uh, uh, 10 days ago. Patrick Alvin, middle of this week, the same day he wound up acquiring Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames. Uh, what do you make of those extensions for the continuity of the front office going forward? I thought those were amongst the least surprising announcements they could have possibly made. I mean, I think everyone could have seen that coming given the way given the way the season has gone. Um, I, I enjoyed that. I think that's, I saw a stat somewhere that Jim Rutherford has made the most trades on January 30th um, in NHL history. And so it was unsurprising that he pulled off another one. Um, and I thought that was, you know, it was, it was an expensive deal, but it was a good one. Samantha, so appreciate your thoughts. Uh, we'll look forward to having a, a, a regular dose of uh, the broadcast uh, on the show next weekend. Uh, uh, have a terrific uh, rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Tom. See you next week. She is Samantha Chang uh, of Denton's. Uh, she's also host of the broadcast. You can check that out online or where you get your podcasts. And also on the selection committee of the BC Sports Hall of Fame, co-chair of the uh, Banquet of Champions and the Induction Week Committee for 2024. Next up, it is Steve Ewan of The Province and theprovince.com. We're going to go round the horn with him next. You're listening to The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Quick blow. Elijah Mitchell in for the first time tonight. Guess what? He's going to get it. Mitchell surging forward. Touchdown. A big comeback last Sunday for the San Francisco 49ers. Sets the stage for a great matchup in Super Bowl 58. Of course, Detroit Lions fans still heartbroken. A lot of people throughout the continent, Canada and the United States, rooting for the Detroit Lions, just given the fact they'd never made it to a Super Bowl. They'd never won a Super Bowl in franchise history. They've been lovable losers for so long, much like you know the Chicago Cubs and how popular the Cubbies were as lovable losers, and then winning a World Series with TV numbers going through the roof just because of how special that was. There would have been a lot of that in a Detroit-Kansas City Super Bowl or a Detroit-Baltimore Super Bowl. But make no mistake of the power of a heritage brand. The San Francisco 49ers are a heritage brand, and they'll have a lot of national following 
uh, for them, there's a lot of my friends and 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 uh, colleagues are San Francisco 49er fans. The countdown is officially underway. And by the way, uh, mark it in your calendars to check in and keep it locked right here at Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver beginning Tuesday night, April 6th, and uh, running all week. Bob the Moj Marjanovich from Radio Row in Las Vegas. And uh, he'll give you content that very few others have access to. So again, keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. Bob the Moj Marjanovic and the Super Bowl special, the uh, uh, special from Radio Row. And uh, Moj owns Radio Row. Great to see him having this platform. Steve Ewan of the province and the province.com knows himself some San Francisco 49ers fans as well. But before we get to the football side of around the horn, want your impressions, uh, Steve, of uh, uh, NHL All-Star uh, Weekend in Toronto. Five Canucks plus Elias Lindholm for a total of six Canucks plus uh, Rick Tockett, <laughs> seven plus Al Murdoch. The Canucks PA announced doing PA down there. Uh, I'll tell you, can you ever recall this kind of a Vancouver Canucks presence at an NHL All-Star game? I don't think it's ever happened. I I, I think you got to go back to some of those great Oiler teams to to see domination like this in an All-Star game. So you throw in, throw in Michael Bublé winning over the crowd, and it was a pretty good day for Canucks fans. Listen, uh, you see Michael Bublé a lot at Vancouver Giants games. That you add that into the mix, uh, you know, certainly he stole the show, arguably on on draft night, and uh, risks himself a, a a mushroom sponsorship. <laughs> I just I just hope he had a ride home. That's all I'm hoping for is that, that he had a ride. No, I, I you know what? It's good to see a guy you know have fun and be like a real person, and you know, and not be not be kind of all kind of just just uh just neutral and stuff like that so yeah no it was it was fun to see and i i i just i, I think the whole kind of weekend was fun the, the the player draft and the skills contest and all of it i think has been just really good for the game so anything else standing out in terms of what this means for the franchise to have that many players to have a coach pa announcer uh you know Former Canuck Kevin Biaxa, part of the uh, Rogers Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada crew. Uh, you mentioned Michael Bublé. Uh, what does it mean in your estimation for the franchise, midterm and long term? I think in terms of of just attracting free agents and, and people looking at what's going on here. I, I think from a hockey standpoint, I think it's a positive. But I, I think from a branding standpoint, I think it has to be a positive. I think it's you know there's a lot of eyes, and you, you were seeing a lot of Canuck logos and. You know, a lot of a lot of exciting, fun players to watch. I, I think that's the kind of thing that that really gets people interested in your team. So it, fans and things like that, and people that buy merch. So I, I, I it, it had to be a very good weekend to be a Vancouver Cup person. How classic is it 
that Connor McDavid not only captains his team uh, to the final against Team Matthews, yes, they lose 7-4, but basically they're going concern. Fans see a couple of games worth of Connor McDavid, and then he makes a set of recommendations to the NHL for the skills competition, which he promptly wins, winning a million dollars. Could the NHL have scripted both things, him winning the skill competition and Team Matthews uh, winning the All-Star game on home Toronto ice? No, I, I, I think it went really well. I, I would have liked to see that money donated. Uh, I mean, I, that's just me. But, I, I, yeah, I, I think it was – I I think it went as well as it could have gone. I think it was, was a very um, positive weekend for the NHL and for, for where it's going, talking about, uh, you know, getting back to best on best competition, all, you know, all those things. Yeah, Aziz Rajwani here of the sport market, he made the comment that the only thing better would have been to be more explicit about where that money was going. And, and if it went to Connor McDavid's charities, that probably would have been a real win-win. Uh, but I expect that a big chunk of it will be donated. He certainly uh, uh, made sounds that he wanted to acknowledge uh, some of his Edmonton Oilers uh, uh, teammates as well. But uh, I agree with you. I think going forward, the NHL should formalize this because... You know, there's a lot of people who could use that million dollars more than a $10 million a year uh, player in the National Hockey League. Uh, before we, before we leave, before we leave uh, uh, the NHL, uh, Wayne Gretzky, of course, has uh, shown uh, behind the bench with Rick Tockett, uh, Kevin BX interviewing uh, uh, them. Uh, he's in the news this weekend because of his 1979-80 OPG uh, rookie card and because of... Um, uh, 16 boxes in in a series of cases found in a Regina basement. They're now going to auction. They're already at $1.6, $1.7 million in terms of bids. How great a story is that, that a family, because of a a sustained hockey card collection that was left unopened all these years since 1970, 1980, uh, are instant millionaires? I think it's great for the family. I think it's great for you that you've got 1.6 or 1.7 million to pay for those cards because we know they're going to Tom Manick's house. So <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think that is, is very exciting. Oh boy, I'll tell you, I, 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 I would, I would pay for one of the boxes in a big way. But you know, that's the, that's the you know, people are wondering, what do you do in a situation like that? Do you open it or do you not? Well, I'll tell you, he did exactly the right thing. You keep it closed because that's where the value is more. There's some people suggesting that this auction could go as high as three million dollars. Well, I just, I, I really. I really hope it doesn't for your sake, Tom, because I know you're bidding. So I, I, <laughs> I hope, I hope you get it for the one seven or whatever you know, whatever you bid now. So. Hey, listen, the uh, Vancouver Giants uh, uh, getting some, uh, uh, you know, good home ice advantage. Uh, uh, your take on the Giants uh, going into action on Saturday night? They're starting to play a lot better. They're starting to look more poised and more polished, more of a uh, kind of an older group. They're not as scattered. Uh, they, they still have some things to work out in their own zone, but I, I, you could see them, you know, maybe go on a little bit of a run here, maybe jump up a couple spots in the standings. 
BC Lions uh, joining uh, those grieving the loss of Carl Weathers. Of course, he was a linebacker for the Leos before he became uh, world famous as uh, uh, an actor largely on the platform that was the original Rocky and a couple of Rockies uh, uh, after that. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, the passing of Carl Weathers, former BC Lion? I think if you're a sports fan, I think you've watched Rocky a few dozen times. I think that's and that's the connection you make, and I, I think you also that's a you know to 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 think that that was part of his start here, and to see that he's got that connection to what is one of BC's really important sports brands. I, I think, yeah, it, it was you got a little sentimental there. I, I I imagine there's a few people trying to trying to stream stream Rocky right now. You know, we do the Sport Market Movie Awards, and a top contender uh, for last year is Creed Two. Uh, Creed is only possible as a spin-off franchise because of what Carl Weathers made Apollo Creed in the original Rocky. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was the uh, foil, the counterfoil to Rocky Balboa. And and I'll tell you, they've done a good job. Michael B. Jordan playing the role of um, uh, uh, you know uh, Apollo Creed's son and now world champion. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. R.I.P. Carl Weathers. The, I think there's a very good there's a very good story in the Vancouver Province and the Vancouver Sun webpages by my colleague JJ Adams in case anyone's wondering. Yeah, so a- absolutely, that's definitely worth uh, picking there up a go. hard copy of the paper or going uh, you know online I'm, as well. I'm on my way to Employee of the Week, if I keep this up. Well, there you go. You're scoring uh, on all on all cylinders very very quickly. Uh, your thoughts on the overtime loss by the uh, Vancouver Warriors and and Kurt Malofsky's, uh, uh giving credit where credit's due. He thought the effort is better, but still no cigar. They look a little scared to me. They look a little tight. I think it's. He's going to have to find a way to, to get them to relax. I, I think they've, I, I, they just look like a team that, that, that needs to, is still trying to find its feet. And I, I think they, they're feeling a little bit of pressure that, you know, there, there were some big changes and, and management went out and got some, you know, got Kurt and, and, and got some players. And I, I think they're still in that learning process. So I, I, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he can do to get them to kind of relax and, Feel a little, bit, a little bit better about themselves, but yeah, two and was it two and six now? They, that's I can't imagine that they they thought they they would be here now. They they're gonna have to find a way to figure it out. Vancouver Canadians uh, confirm their uh, their their manager. I, I I'm surprised that Brent is back. Probably I I think he I I understand that there was no movement ahead of him. I I think he. Did a marvelous job. I think it's a neat story for a North Delta guy. Uh, I just—he seems very together. He seems to be, you know, he seems to be a good players guy. He seems to get the most out of that group. I, I don't think that was the most talented team in the league last year, but they—he he kind of rode it to the, rode it to a league championship. So I, I, I will be stunned if he is back for a four. I'm stunned he's back for a third year. I will be flabbergasted if he's back for a fourth year. What do you think of the move that the parent club, the Toronto Blue Jays, made with Justin Turner? I think they had to do something. I, I think uh, I, I think he's a good veteran. I think I'd still like to see them tighten things up and 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 be more of a playoff type team. I, they tried to do that last year with Barcho and Kiermaier. I, I think they need to, uh, just. 
I think part of the just the general getting older and more mature is going to help them. I think some of the sloppy stuff they did at the end of the year will will fade away. And on the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps uh, front, uh, tickets continue to be in demand for the Golden Era package. Uh, what else caught your eye in terms of the business of the Vancouver Whitecaps this week? We've got about 30 seconds. I, I, again, I, I think that's the one. I think that, and waiting to see how people react, whether, you, you know, do you go in and buy now and, and, and worry that he's not going to play or, or messy or, or, or do you kind of wait and, and, you know, hope to, hope to jump on a, a ticket if he does in fact play. So I, I think that's a question. I, I you know, I, I think that's going to, you know, cost somebody at the end of the day, I think it's going to cost somebody a lot of 79, 80, uh, OPG hockey cards. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Listen, uh, enjoy uh, Giants on home ice uh, tonight. We'll, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, talk to you soon. He is Steve Ewan of the province and theprovince.com going around the horn uh, with the major franchises in uh, Greater Vancouver and Lower Mainland of BC. If you enjoy rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of Sport Business as much as we do, you can follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at the Sport Market, T-H-E Sport Market. You can download our podcasts at sportsnet.ca slash 650. Search out the podcasts. Terrific weekend, everybody. Remember, it's amazing how much you need to know before you realize how little you know. Now more of the Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Uh, yeah, this All Star Game feels a little bit like a U23 reunion with uh, the number number of players who have gone on to uh, to compete in this All Star Game. So, um, obviously, going up against Austin, uh, you know, I know really well. Um, it's uh, it's never easy, um, and uh, to do it on the Olympic stage, World Cup stage, Four Nations Cup, um, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, Canada, U.S. Um, doesn't get any better than that in hockey, and um, just can't wait to uh, have a chance to be a part of that. Connor McDavid, who is eyeing now his first opportunity to truly be part of a Canadian team best on best, doing so in a big one-two punch announcement, the Four Nations Cup in 2025, uh, Canada, USA, Finland, and Sweden, and then Olympic participation in 2026 and in 2030. And I've been advocating for years the NHL should make a long-term commitment, not this piecemeal, you know, wait until the last moment each time and then coyly say, okay, we're here, or like they have the last couple of Olympics, we're not going. This is big to have both Olympic participation and this Four Nations Cup concept. It'll wind up reducing the NHL All-Star game to an every second year kind of thing, but that's not a bad thing. You give fans the choice of an All-Star game every year and best-on-best international competition, they'll choose the latter, you know, 10 of 10 times. Conor McDavid also wins the skills competition Friday at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, and when he returns to play against the Vegas Golden Knights and then the Anaheim Ducks, he and his Oilers will be protecting a 16-game consecutive winning streak, which puts them in a very lofty position in the hottest franchises in North American professional sport. The Sport Market Power Rankings, the hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports. 
Our Power Rankings bring together the sport operation stuff, the wins and losses, everything that matters most to fans with the business upside, the business capacity, everything from franchise valuation and revenues to attendance, television numbers, and more. And on that note, big shout out and congrats to the Boston Bruins of the NHL. You know what? They lose Patrice Bergeron to retirement. They make a couple of other player moves, but they're still the big bad Bruins, one of the top teams in the NHL yet again this year. In the association, shout out to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 9-1 and one in their last 10, and to the L.A. Clippers and the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference, who are both 8-2 and two in their last 10. But none of them are in the Power 5. Number 5. It's the Vancouver Canucks of the National Hockey League. 33-11-5 on 71 points. They've got the tiebreaker against the Boston Bruins at the top of the NHL standings. And, of course, they're number one in the Western Conference, number one in the Pacific. Canucks are 8 0-2 in their last 10, and they're represented in flying colors at Rogers NHL All-Star Weekend at Toronto this weekend with six players, when you include newly arrived Elias Lindholm, Six players and head coach Rick Tockett. That is a massive promotion for the franchise this weekend on national television. Number four. It's the New York Knicks, 32 and 17, playing their best basketball of the season. They're 9 and 1 in their last 10. Their Forbes franchise valuation, $6.6 billion US. Number three. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, valued by Forbes magazine at $4.3 billion in enterprise value. They played before $56 million, a most-watched AFC final, and they did it in style against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. In addition to Patrick Mahomes Jr. and Travis Kelsey, of course, Taylor Swift, a big part of the buzz here, her social media that she's bringing to the table for the Chiefs, $1 million followers on Instagram, 95 million on X, 80 million on Facebook. The media value and brand value that she's brought to the Chiefs in particular and the NFL in general, worth $331 million. Number two. It's Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and the San Francisco 49ers. They're valued by Forbes magazine at $6 billion based on annual projected revenues of $622 million. But what matters most to Niner fans, they're 14-5. and five. They're in the Super Bowl yet again this year. Number one. It's the $1.85 billion Edmonton Oilers, winners of 16 straight. They're the hottest franchise in North American team sport. They've set a Canadian record of 12 and counting, four straight wins. And now they're just one shy of tying the National Hockey League record of 17 straight. They've got an opportunity if they beat the Vegas Golden Knights in Anaheim to set a new all-time National Hockey League record for consecutive wins. So the power rankings headlined by the Edmonton Oilers, number one, San Francisco 49ers, number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, number three, the New York Knicks, number four from the NBA, and the Vancouver Canucks of the NHL, number five. We've been... Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business and the bronze medal position, this great Gretzky story, a basement in Regina, uh, the most discussed basement in uh, North American history uh, because it could contain 
a, a package that winds up going to auction for north of $3 million. We've also been talking about Lewis Hamilton, how Mercedes really seems to have blown that one. Give credit to Ferrari for not only making Lewis Hamilton a $100 million man, but for working with him to promote his charity work, which is second to none in global professional sport. And then, of course, top of the charts, NFL TV numbers, two conference championship games uh, uh, averaging 56 million. Uh, One on the NFC side, most watched in a decade, the AFC side, most watched ever. Pretty special stuff on the TV side of things for the NFL. And we're about to get into a week of swift mania that will take the numbers to an all-time high for next week's Super Bowl. We'll close out this hour with a louder side take of the business of sport. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. The NHL All-Star Draft was great. If you like listening to four or five people try to talk at the same time. Fortunately, NFL pregame and halftime panels the last decade have gotten our ears used to this. And McDavid and Dreisaitl, they know they can't take Hellebuck back to Edmonton with them, right? Big Flames Canucks trade before the break almost got hung up as Calgary last minute was trying to throw in Harvey the Hound for Finn. But here's what people don't know. Finn is a resident orca, not a transient. It seems like the NHL passed an opportunity to integrate Groundhog Day into the mascot skills competition. I'm interested in Gritty's meteorological map skills. How would you be interpreted to Aqua Raider? Could Finn provide a Satino surf forecast? We'll never find out. As Gary's busy, you know, plotting out a 29 cup final between Atlanta and Houston. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.